0: Hello and welcome to Military History Inside Out, brought to you by War Scholar. We talk about military history from ancient times to modern and everything in between. I'm Chris Alvarez and thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out my new interviews with Tilda Cold Holt about her new Viking fantasy novel Northern Wrath, which you can find at fullcontactnerd.com, and my interview with Bill Airy about the Apollo 11 spacesuit. Found at technologyandspace.com. The links can be found in the show notes. Thank you. I'm speaking with Frank Sisson and Robert L. Wy- and Robert L. Wise, co-authors of "I Marched with Patton," a first-hand account of World War II alongside one of the U.S. Army's greatest generals, uh, published by William Morrow, October first, 2020. Thank you both for speaking with me. Now, as a uh, as you mentioned, Robert Frank uh, Frank lived uh, this this uh, heroic story. So, um, so first, tell me, how did you two uh, connect to uh, to write this story?
1: Well,
2: I've known Frank Sisson and Frank and Donna Sisson for oh my goodness, probably fifty years. And uh, I was at their house and uh, I noticed on the wall a, a plaque up here that says Veterans of the Battle of the Bulge. And so I turned to Frank and I said, Frank, what is this? And he kind of mumbled a little bit about it. he was in the Battle of Bulge. And uh, I said, well, you've never talked about it. And he said, well, I never talk about it. <laughs> and I said, well, let's let's start. And he started telling me stories of World War II. And that's how the book began and came into being. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, how, Frank, how... What made you uh, decide to go ahead um, and participate in writing a book considering you didn't want to you didn't really want to well, talk Robert, about
3: it Robert, for one kept uh, saying Frank this this is good stuff it's book stuff mm-hmm. and uh, so I started putting the articles together and uh, giving them to the master of writing and uh, uh, he he tied them all together and come up with the book. Mm-hmm. but uh, I lived every inch of that book.
0: Did you write any of it down yourself, like notes or diary or anything? No, no,
3: no. I, I, well, I made some notes, but I gave them all to Robert, and and he tied them together in the, in the book. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, let's start with uh, with Frank's, uh, the start of his military career. How, how did, wh- what happened there?
3: Uh, my military career, uh, I was in California mm-hmm. when I became 18 years old with I had gone to California to work in the shipyards. They taught me how to weld two pieces of metal together and then uh, sent me to California. And uh, In fact, I went to uh, uh, Stockton, California, and then Alameda, California, and worked in the shipyards. And surprisingly, the name of the ship shipyard was Kaiser Wilhelm Shipyard. Mm. <laughs> and uh, then when I got 18, I, I didn't want to go in the Navy, so I headed back. Home to Oklahoma mm-hmm. and went down to Lawton and volunteered.
1: And
0: when we, to be in the United States Artillery. So you got which I did, and I was sure glad I did because I met a
3: lot of great guys. And uh, I'm not a, not much of a hero, but I, I was with a, a bunch of heroes. Mm-hmm. and I know how they act.
0: Did you get to choose artillery?
3: I beg your pardon.
0: Did you get to choose artillery when you oh, signed yeah.
3: up? I chose the artillery. Yes, I did. And uh, I'm glad I did because was one of the best, best uh, decisions I've made in my life. And my father died when I was 14 years old, so that left me the head of household, and uh, I had to quit school and go to California, and work in the shipyards uh, to make a living. And uh, then I, when I got 18, I left there, went to uh, Fort Sill, the United States Artillery School. Mm-hmm.
0: And so when was that? Like, what month and year did you sign up?
3: Oh, it was uh, my birthday in June. Uh, so I guess that must have been uh, around the 15th when I went down to, to Lawton and volunteered.
0: Mm-hmm. And what year was that?
3: Uh, well, let's see. I was, I was uh, 18 at the time, and I was born in 1925. Oh, okay. uh, somebody so, do the math on
0: that. So, so the war had started already.
3: Yeah! Oh, yeah! The war was started. It started already, mm-hmm. and uh, I did a lot of catching up.
0: Where were you when uh, when Pearl Harbor was was bombed? Where were you and, and what did you think? Pearl
3: Harbor when Pearl Harbor was bombed. Uh, bombed. I was uh, uh, in my town of Wilica, and I was uh, in front of my sister's house, uh, and. Uh, uh, Saying, "Oh, that's too bad," by everybody else, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was, I was at that time. I was, I wasn't quite fifteen, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so I must have been right about fifteen at that particular time.
0: Mm-hmm. And did, uh, did everyone kind of expect to end up going to war at that point, or was it kind of a, a, a big shock?
3: Uh, no, uh, the, the group of kids that I. Ran around with, didn't believe it would go much further. Hmm. They thought it was going to be over almost instantly. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't have any any uh, idea of what was going on. I, I was just a fifteen year old kid and didn't know. Didn't know. He, here comes the second.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, so you went to Fort Sill and signed up. Um, what was how much training did you do there? What was that like?
3: Uh, I think it was eighteen weeks. Uh, uh, at, at Fort Sill, and then it went to Brownwood, Texas, for organization, and that's where the, the 667 Field Artillery was born.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, so, when uh, when did you learn you were going over to Europe? I guess you went to to the UK first. Well, we
3: had 17 weeks of training there at uh, at Camp Bowie, Texas, mm-hmm. Brownwood, Texas, and uh, then we ships started shipping out uh, to England at that point. Mm-hmm. We we shipped out of England and uh zagged all over the ocean trying to get there because we were dodging all kinds of uh, submarine German submarines. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got there all in one piece. Mm-hmm. Good. And good. sick and tired of it. We went over on a big, big yacht. It was uh, the New Amsterdam was the name of the ship that I went over on. And, uh, boy, it was some ship, you know. Okay.
0: You said you didn't want to join the Navy, and there you are sailing across the sea,
3: well, I know, it I knew I had to go somewhere to get over there, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to live on a ship aboard uh, out in the ocean. I kept uh, out in the ocean, I kept telling that recruiter, I don't want to be a sailor, I want to be a soldier mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I don't uh, I tell you what I can walk a lot further than I can swim.
1: <laughs>
3: I kept telling that that recruiter, said I can swim pretty good, but I can walk a lot better.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, that way, uh, they got me in. And uh, two weeks, I was in the Army two weeks, and they made me an as assistant drill sergeant. So uh, uh, I, I had what it took to be a soldier.
0: So um,
3: I had, to, uh, I had a bunch of great men to, to help me.
0: So you, did you go over with your equipment, or did they send you separately?
3: Uh, we went with our equipment. We had to... We had our guns board the ship, and, uh, and uh, oh, it was. Uh, well, we had six hundred and fifty men on that uh, on that ship at least. That was our outfit mm-hmm. for a company and uh, for a division, six, six, seven field artillery Division.
0: Mm-hmm. And how many guns did your company have? Were you in charge uh, of?
3: Should have had four per company. We had four companies,
0: mm-hmm. so uh, sixteen. Okay, and. And did you know every, like, did you work every part of being for field artillery, or was there a specific no, no, job? No, we were
3: specialized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had uh, five uh, soldiers with me, and it, our job was to keep the uh, telephone communications
1: using wire communication, and have everybody to know up to date what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, uh, that was some job, because half the time we were. You could look across the line
3: and see the enemy mm. doing the same thing we were doing <laughs> uh, it was a very very dangerous job because we worried about snipers and, mm. and that sort of stuff that that foreign uh that uh, in as much as we were that close to the enemy and uh, we would put uh, an observation point the high place high area in the camp uh if it was like uh, a thousand feet uh hill we had to have a, a wire communication command on top of that hill, so we could overlook the whole valley and everything else.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, we had to do it in a hurry.
0: How did you? Uh, were you excited? Anxious? Uh, how nervous were you when you got when you guys finally reached? Um, I guess you went to the UK first, right?
3: Yeah, I was nervous because uh, I'd never been out of the state of Oklahoma except when I went to. California to work in the shipyards, Mm -hmm. and now here I am on a a big luxury liner in the ocean, dodging the uh, uh, the submarines, and now I was was scared to death, just like all the other kids. Mm -hmm. But we went over there as kids, but we come back men.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, you went through it. I'm speaking with Frank Sisson and Robert L. Wise about I Marched with Patton. You can find more information about the book at the William Morrow website. If you like this podcast, Military History Inside Out, so far, please subscribe to it and rate it if you can. If you want more military history ranging from the ancient to the modern, please visit warscholar.org or militaryhistorypodcast.com to sign up for my weekly newsletter and keep up with my latest posts. You can also find written interviews and in my social media links there. You can find the links to my other podcasts at fullcontactnerd.com and technologyinspace.com. And now back to the podcast. So did you, um... So I guess on, on D-Day, did you participate in D-Day then?
3: Uh, no. That was just a little bit ahead of me.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: You
3: know, no, I, I landed in saint Lo, France uh, when we... Uh, we we landed in in England, mm-hmm. uh, and then they transferred us, and we went down to Saint Lo, France, and and uh, that place was a bombed out wreck. We didn't hardly have a place to sleep, so mm-hmm. the whole town was tore up. So,
2: but that's that's where we got into the battle at, at Saint Lo, France. Frank, tell tell them about what happened uh, with the family that you stayed with and what had happened to their family across the street, oh, okay. what the Germans uh, had done. Well, we, uh, as, a, as a non-commissioned officer, I had the authority
3: to commandeer quarters for my men, of which I had five men, and made, uh, no, I had six, six, and mine made seven. So mm-hmm. uh, we found this little cottage, and uh, uh, the people received us as if we were kings, or we were something like... Uh, the Roman warriors or something, they they treated us with, uh, like royalty. Mm-hmm. And uh, we stayed at, at this little house and, and we told the lady there, the grandmother, we told her, you can you can uh, uh, keep your quarters as they are and your kitchen privileges are just as they always been. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to be in the way here for you a couple of days and then we'll go forward to another position. And, uh, I, and while we were talking, she said, I'd like to, update you on my, my life here with uh, my husband. Uh, my son lived across the street from me and he had he and his wife had two children, a girl and a little boy. And uh, the Nazis moved into and they took over everything. And the little four-year-old boy called this one guy a dirty Nazi. Hmm. And uh, she's telling this story and uh, this little boy called this soldier a dirty Nazi well, he pulled out his pistol and shot the little boy in the head. Hmm. And the little girl heard the shot and heard the scream from the little boy. And she ran over there to hug the little boy. And the soldier pulled out his pistol again and shot the little girl. Wow. And uh, the father ran out to, to see what was going on. And the, uh, the officer shot him and also the mother when she ran out. So uh, they wiped out that whole family.
0: Oh. Mother and dad,
3: but no no grandchildren.
0: Um, did that guy like? Did you guys get? Did that make you angrier and more more? Yeah, more
3: it did. It made us realize that we were we were up against people that uh, were really mean people. Mm-hmm. And uh, the longer we were there, and the more witnesses uh, I had with the people and the soldiers, the more I realized that the Nazis were really, really Satan personified
0: did did you or any of the guys speak any french or german to get by there or was it all english well i i didn't
1: get that i didn't i
3: didn't i didn't i, I had a little problem sometimes with my hearing but oh. I,
0: I didn't hear what you said sir sure so did you or any of the other guys know any german or french or did you just try to speak in english with with the locals
3: no we we uh, uh, everybody had learned learned a little bit of, of, of German, uh, and I couldn't learn any French at all because I didn't like the language. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I could speak uh, enough German to get by, mm-hmm. and what was half English and half German, and uh, but uh, we did pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of us learned learned the language a lot quicker, but. Uh, uh, I kind of re- relied on my old English. I could I mm-hmm. talk my way out about anything.
0: Yeah. So I guess you got along with the French people, though. It sounds like. Oh, you...
3: yeah. We got along with the c- civilians. That, like I said, they, they treated us like kings. Mm-hmm. We, we, they thought we were conquering heroes. And we kept t- tell them, we're not conquerors, we're liberators. Mm-hmm. We're just here to see that you get a square deal. Mm-hmm. We want to liberate you from the Germans. Or from the Nazis, mm-hmm. we never we never had a bad word for the German people, mm-hmm. but it was the Nazis that we we were there to defend them
0: against. Mm-hmm. So, at what point, uh, you know, the title is "You Marched with Patton." At what point did you hook up with uh, with Pattons? Uh,
3: I was in the Ard- in the Ardene Forest, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, my men were laying in some wire that a tank had come through and tore up the wire. And uh, uh, we were—I uh, was directing traffic while they were fixing the wires. <clears throat> and uh, one of my, my, one of my uh, men came over to me and said, "There's a there's a staff car coming down the hill over here." So I looked, and it was a uh, had flags on the front fenders, which means that uh, their generals are better. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they got down close, and I could see. Eisenhower. Then I saw uh, uh, President uh, 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 Bra- Bra- uh Omar Bradley. Bradley, Bradley. yeah, Bradley. Mm-hmm. And then
1: uh, uh, Patton. Patton came in the last, mm-hmm. and I, boy,
3: up, I gave him a rifle salute, <laughs> and they all smiled and gave me that big. And they gave me a salute, which is not necessary, you know. Mm -hmm. But they did and made me feel real good. Mm -hmm. uh, As soon as they left and got down the hill a little ways, our artillery started coming in, Mm -hmm. uh, knocking the top out of trees, and everybody was diving for security and and safety. And I dived under an old bombed-out Tiger tank. Mm -hmm. Uh, And those are big, big Tiger tanks. They're huge. Mm -hmm. And I was working my way to the center of the tank, when I bumped heads for something, I looked up, and it was a kid I had gone to school with mm-hmm. back in Wileka, Oklahoma. <laughs> and we hugged each other, and, and uh, I hate to say it, but we cried a little
0: bit. Mm-hmm. Hey, no, it's you, you meet a friend of yours in a tough situation. That's good. You know, that's good.
3: I, I, re- repeat.
0: Oh, I just said it's good to see a, a friend, an old friend in a in a tough situation. It always feels good. I think.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I,
0: I, or did you feel bad seeing him there with you in this in this uh, well, situation?
3: Well, uh, I never saw him again, saw the person again. Mm. So, uh, and I asked about him when I came home, and nobody could tell me anything. So mm. I just assumed he didn't make it. Uh. We, we tried not to make friends because. Uh, uh, if when you did, they buried the guy the next day. You know, so, mm-hmm. so we tried not to make friends. We we called each other by their first name mm-hmm. if we knew it. If we didn't know it, we just called him corporal or sergeant or whatever his rank was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we tried desperately not to make friends.
0: No, yeah, I understand. So how much um, actually when you when you saw the uh, the generals, did you know exactly who they were, or did you oh, just know? I did, mm-hmm.
3: and, and so did everybody there, and they, well, they were cheering and cheering from all sides mm-hmm. as uh, they, uh, threw, and they and the generals waved as they went through our camp and uh, uh, that, as soon as they, about two or three minutes after they passed the Germans had figured about where they were, so they started shelling that area mm. and uh, fortunately uh, uh, the generals got through without any problems
0: yeah. So what were the toughest conditions in which to do your work Um, was it the forest well
3: this was winter time Mm -hmm. Uh, this this was uh, uh, the temperature was 70 below zero now that's hard to understand because 20 degrees will freeze food in your deep freeze Mm -hmm. and uh, 70 below will freeze your deep freeze
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) 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 So, so how'd you, but I
3: still have trouble with my hands, mm. uh, I, I froze my hands and froze my feet, but the, the doctor washed my, uh, or a medic washed my feet and hands and face and I, and the snow mm. rubbed snow all over my face and hands and then, and then wrapped me in a blanket. And, uh,
1: well,
0: got
3: my okay.
0: so did you, anything else special that you did to, uh, to stay warm or keep your equipment warm?
3: And i wore everything i had you know and and uh, I, I was really uncomfortable all the time because of all the clothes that i had on and the germans were as bad off as we were because that's the worst uh, temperature that Belgium had had in the record they've never had that cold in record time mm-hmm. and i don't know how long belgium has been there a long time but uh, uh you can't believe what 70 below is it uh You just have to see it and feel it. Yeah. It's just, it's just unbelievable how cold Semi-Blow is. And that lasted for 42 days. And, uh, we were we couldn't build a fire. We couldn't turn on a lantern because the enemy was a couple of hundred yards away. And we didn't want to, want to highlight the fact that we were there available, you know. So, Mm -hmm. So we just had to wrap clothes around us and let it go.
0: Did you get any chance to get warm during that winter, or was it all just outdoors? Oh,
3: no, and- it it very varied, it very it, it warmed up. It, it get forty below, and then down thirty below, and then it's like thirty two degrees, and that that was like a home, like hometown, thirty two degrees, you know. Mm-hmm. No, it it lasted about forty two days, from from what I've ever it sounded like it lasted for two years, but mm-hmm. it really wasn't that. The, and it's kind of hard to remember exactly when it when it really warmed up, but uh, I do know that in March we all came into the to the billets area and then it took a shower and they put a truck up there, and that was the worst mistake we ever made taking those showers because hmm. uh, boy, you had the first class case of itch.
0: Yeah, wow. And, uh, it, it was
3: just. You you do you wish you hadn't taken that shower because you were just too uncomfortable. Wow! But nobody took a shower, and
2: everybody stunk, and nobody knew it.
0: So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just live with it.
2: <laughs> Frank, you uh, you crossed the Rhine with Patton, yeah. and uh, went on to Berlin as uh, 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 a a uh, I had military experience. policeman, right? I had an experience on the Rhine River. Uh,
3: at the closing of the war, the Germans uh, started building some little jet airplanes, and they painted them jet black. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were crossing the Rhine River, and we were uh, almost across. And I looked down, down the stream from where we were, and I saw this little black airplane. And I jumped in the back of the truck and spun my 50 caliber machine gun around. No, this was a 30 caliber, 30 caliber machine gun we had. And, uh, uh, spun this gun around and put zeroed my sights in on this airplane. And I couldn't get the hammer back to to start firing. And I yanked and yanked and yanked. And I couldn't get it back. And that plane was coming right at us. And it pulled up. And I could look at the the pilot right in the face. And he looked in my face and probably wondered why I didn't pull the trigger. As soon as he was out of my range, that hammer came back just automatically.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I told uh, my driver, uh, Mr. Parper, and uh, uh, he was the senior of our crew, and uh, he said, I worked on that gun last night for two hours. And I said, I saw you working on it. Mm-hmm. God didn't want me to kill that, that pilot mm-hmm. and I, because uh, he, he just didn't want me to kill him. And I said, some reason, I'll never know. Well, a lot of things happen like that. It's just the spur of the moment and it's over and it's gone. And, and many places forgotten.
0: So that, that pilot didn't shoot at you guys either then. Uh, pardon? So it sounds like the pilot didn't do any shooting either or bombing. Oh no,
3: yeah. He was shooting, but he stopped. Oh. When he banked and started coming up that bank where, where our, our truck was, mm-hmm. he stopped shooting. Hmm. And, then, uh, when I couldn't couldn't pull the trigger on him, he just kept going. He would, and he was he was gone. Never come back.
0: So how did uh, how did you get across the Rhine? Was it in this truck or or how did you get-
3: in, a, in a three quarter ton truck? Mm-hmm. And my men run along in the front of it, and I sat beside the driver. And uh, that's the reason that I was I was there when I needed they needed me. And I couldn't get the gun to fire, so uh, probably a good thing. To, I don't know. That young man flying that plane, I, uh, maybe,
2: but he was a Nazi. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just a German. He was a Nazi. Right. So Frank with a military uh, policeman in Berlin, uh, before the city was officially divided up, mm-hmm. had to contend with the Russians. Oh, uh, yeah.
3: and the Russians gave us more trouble than anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the ordinary uh, or the dumbest GI could be a general in the Russian Army
0: <laughs> they were that bad
3: no kidding. you know Fuzzy Smith mm-hmm. the, the, the out of shape soldier American soldier mm-hmm. could be a general 90 days in the, in the Russian Army mm-hmm. what, what- well they just pulled those off the planes and give them a gun and said here shoot if you don't, if you don't shoot give it to your friend and Whenever they shoot you, he'll get the gun. So they didn't have ammunition or the rifles. They had two men to a gun. Mm-hmm. In many places, yeah. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, earball. Your, your
0: no, no, no problem. No. Um, did you tr- did you try to be friendly with the Russians? What were they like to to deal with? No,
3: you couldn't be friendly with them. They they, they were heathens. They, they they were they were worse than the Nazis.
1: Hmm. Wow. I
3: mean, they were just done uh, box mm-hmm. You can't believe how dumb the ordinary Russian soldier was. I was a sergeant in the military police, and I was a detective
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, for, the, for the United States Army, and they brought a, a, car, or a general in, mm-hmm. and he was intoxicated, and so was his driver. Mm-hmm. Well, we put the driver in the, in, the, in the jailhouse, and we set the general down in a nice uh, chair and a give him something to look at and uh, try to be nice to him because you can't disarm an officer unless he's in for a felon. Mm. And this man was just just drunk is all. Mm -hmm. But uh, he he didn't like the way we were treating him, so he grabbed a a file cabinet file and started beating the clerk over the head with it. And I slung the the general around and shoved him down, and he backed up against a brick wall, and I thank God for brick walls because I knew I was going to have to draw my pistol. Well, I, I was going to come. But he was too far away, and I couldn't get to him. And he, lo and behold, he started pulling that little old pistol. He had like a little thirty eight and a and a wore out scabbard.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, I said, "What am I going to do? I cannot kill that, I can't kill that general in this headquarters." Not an MP headquarters. Everybody in my hometown is going to know about this. What am I going to do? What am I? And your mind can do great, great things if you just turn it, turn it loose, and let it go. Mm-hmm. And it said, "Okay, shoot between his legs." <laughs> and if he still insists on coming on up with that gun, shoot him between the eyes. Well, he he threw that gun when I shot between his legs. He threw that old beat up pistol. Into the air and started hollering, "Net, net, net, It means no in in Russian. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh,
1: who? Yeah.
3: But anyhow, uh, well, I lost my, my thought pattern here. But anyhow, uh, uh, I took the gun away from him and I called the, the warden downstairs, and he came up and I told him, "I said, put this trash in the." In the doghouse down there, and, and we'll call these people to come get him, Come and get him. And mm-hmm. so when he came up, he let this guy out of that puddle of water he was standing in, and took him downstairs <laughs> and slammed him in the slammer. And uh, that, that's the last I ever heard of that.
0: Yeah. Did
3: oh, but the, but my commanding officer—that was very funny. The my commanding officer was a lieutenant, and he ran over to me and started hugging me, and I said, "Wow." I don't get hugged by the big boss in it very often. And he said, well, Frank, you did the exact right thing. If you had killed that general, you wouldn't have got to go home for a year. Mm.
1: Wow. They'd have
3: kept you over here on purpose for a year. Yeah. And I thought, that, well, if I'd, had, if I'd have had George Patton with me, he'd have shot all of
1: them. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so... So did you uh did you get to see Patton again at any point?
2: Um, uh yeah. Uh, uh let's see. Uh, you, didn't you hear him give one of his speeches? It was a lot of
3: profanity. oh yeah, I've heard him. Yeah, uh, I heard him give a speech to a bunch of ladies, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he was using a profanity that I had never heard. You know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, George had a had a bad mouth. Uh, He just said what he thought, and uh, if there happened to be somebody there to take offense to it, he just nodded his head and smiled, you know. Hmm. But uh, he was a good, uh, he was the best general I ever saw.
0: Hmm. Actually, one of my... Uh, The
3: only only thing he needed to do was control his tongue. (laughs) Other than that, he was a great, great man.
0: You didn't, uh, did you ever, a a good friend of mine said her grandfather was his his driver during the war. You, You didn't know the... His driver at all? Did you, or no? Uh, driver? Yeah, his driver.
3: Well, my, uh, I had a three quarter pound truck, mm-hmm. a three quarter ton truck, and uh, I had a driver taking care of that for me. Mm-hmm. He was a, uh, uh, he was about uh, ten years older than I was, mm-hmm. and so uh, he kind of treated me like a little boy.
1: Oh, really? And
3: for a little while, until he found out I was a man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now was he part of your your group, or was he a
1: driver yeah, side?
3: Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was my steady driver. You know, we had we had uh, uh, I had six men, uh, and each one of them had a specific job mm-hmm. of laying telephone wire, and uh, uh, I had the privilege of being the boss.
0: Were Were you the youngest of the group? Pardon? Were you the youngest one, even though you were in charge?
3: Uh, no, a couple of them were eighteen. That's what I was. Mm-hmm. I was eighteen, and Mister Parker was uh, about thirty or thirty-five, mm. and uh, we called him Mister Parker because <laughs> uh, he weighed about two seventy-five, and uh, uh, nobody wanted to insult anybody that big. You know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. and, but uh, he, he was a he was
3: a great man. I I, I just loved him, and I, I I thought more of him as a big brother.
0: I'm speaking with Frank Sisson and Robert L. Wise about I Marched with Patton. You can find more information about the book at the William Morrow website. If you like this podcast, Military History Inside Out, so far, please subscribe to it and rate it if you can. If you want more military history ranging from the ancient to the modern, please visit warscholar.org or militaryhistorypodcast.com to sign up for my weekly newsletter and keep up with my latest posts. You can also find written interviews and my social media links there. You can find the links to my other podcasts at fullcontactnerd.com and technologyinspace.com. And now back to the podcast.
2: Uh, Frank, what were your recollections of what it was like to be in Berlin immediately after they surrendered?
3: Uh, Oh, man. Well, we sat outside of Berlin for about two weeks, I guess, waiting for the Russians to capture the town. Hmm. And uh, they, they didn't know hello from goodbye, you know. I, I don't have very much respect for the Russians. <laughs> you probably already figured that out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so...
3: No, I... Uh, uh, the Germans, they they were friendly to us, but, mm-hmm. but in the, in Berlin, uh, that was the home of the Nazis, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you had to you had to make believers out of them before you could get along with them, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, we did. But the Ger- Russian, like I said, the Russians caused more trouble than the Germans mm-hmm. uh, ever did.
0: There's a there's a part of your book about Dachau. Did you um Dachau? Yeah.
3: No, I didn't. I didn't. I, didn't, I stayed away from
0: that. Okay, you didn't. Um, you didn't have to deal with anything like that.
3: No, I, I didn't. Uh, I helped. Uh, I saw some some uh, soldiers putting somebody in a pickup, in a three quarter ton truck like ours, hmm. and then an old beat up yellow bus came up, and, and they were carrying people out of this building and putting put them in there. My driver, Mister Parker, said. Frank, I think that's prisoner war camp. Mm. And I said, well, let's just go by there. We got our job all done for the day anyhow. And we went over there. Sure enough, it was a concentration camp, and uh, the, the caretakers of it were gone. You couldn't find them anywhere. Mm. And uh, the, the doctors and nurses were picking these people up, and uh, some of them were like uh, six foot tall, but they only weighed about, uh, eighty-five, ninety pounds. Wow! They had just, just, just lost all their weight, and they looked like they so pitiful, and they were desperate to, to hug us and kiss, and fall down and kiss our feet, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. They, they were, they were just out of their head, you mm-hmm.
0: know. And what what nationality were they?
3: They were Jewish. Jewish nationalities. They were Jewish prisoners of war. Oh wow!
0: Um. So, how did you end up becoming a a police officer after doing
3: uh, the war was over, and I, I needed about oh six or eight months, I think I needed that so uh, for a rotation to go home mm-hmm. after the war, and my captain said to, uh, to go up to Berlin, Frank, and and uh, I'll see that you get a good job up there. So mm-hmm. he gave me a recommendation, and I went to Berlin as an inspector. Uh, uh, Solve trying to solve criminal cases and that sort of stuff, and uh, I was only there about a year, but I had a lot of fun. And uh, then when I got a uh, relief, I was going to go home. They uh, gave me a young man to train, and uh, I had a lot of fun. I had a kid with him because he was a non-combat soldier, mm-hmm. and uh, if we had anything, it was really nasty to handle. I'd like to try, I would tried to get him to handle it hmm. so he could get some real good experience, you know. And, mm-hmm. and once a uh, Russian uh, truck ran over a female, uh, she was in the street, she jumped off the curb and fell backwards, and that truck's tire decapitated her. Oh. And uh, they called us, and we went out there, and as usual, they had already moved the body and everything, so... We didn't have any evidence on them at all. That mm-hmm. uh, we were going to put them in the in the ambulance, uh, uh, so it was to take them to the morgue. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I picked up the foot end of that uh, gurney and told the kid to get the front end. The, the esophagus was hanging out and, and that woman, and uh, he ran to the curb and throw it up. Mm-hmm. They come back and I said, pick it up. We got to get out of here. Yeah. He picked it up again, got it off the ground, and run to the curb and threw it up again. And after about the third throw up, I turned it over to the to the German, medics, and they loaded the lady up and took her out. And I, while we were in that area, I, I I told my boy Friday, "You get the papers all filled out. I'm going to look over this morgue." And I was looking over the morgue, and I didn't like what I was seeing. Because there was one cart in there that was covered up with a white napkin of some kind, and it was loaded with steaks. And as an old war combat soldier, I know the difference between a piece of meat and a piece of human. Mm -hmm. And all that on that tray was human. And I went back to the office and I told my boss, I said, I didn't fill out that form totally. I wanted to talk to you first. And I said that uh, Borg had a tray of of, uh, human flesh steaks on a tray. Wow. He said, you did right, Frank. Don't say nothing about it. I'll take care of it. Well, he did. And about three months after I got home, I got a letter from him, a paper paper, of the Stars and Stripes newspaper, and it said in there that the military police had uncovered a human flesh trade. In a, in a morgue in Berlin. So it's a good good thing I held off. I'd, I'd probably still been over there.
0: Wow. So were people that well, hungry?
3: That's uh, that, that's some of the stuff you run up against as a soldier.
0: Wow. So you were a police officer for the whole, for the city, not yeah, just...
3: For the rest of, my t- rest of my tour, I was a police officer, you know.
0: But for the city, yeah. not just for the Army?
3: No. Just the Army.
0: Just huh. the Army. Okay. I
3: was a military police officer and I, uh, I had some men working for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have to do nothing. I was I was uh, lazy. Hmm. And I laid around waiting for my furlough to go home. Yeah. And the uh, CIA tried to hire me and I, I told my didn't want anything to do with the CIA. <laughs> and so I came on back home. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I had all the war I wanted to have and, and I wasn't any good at at uh, being a military policeman.
0: Hmm. Did you, um, how did you get along with the officers that you worked with throughout the war? My
3: officer, he loved me. He mm-hmm. loved me. And uh, uh, he, he couldn't do enough for me. Now, that, that officer had a very particular happening to him. He was born and raised in Berlin. Born and raised in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And he got a visa to the United States and became a citizen and it joined the United States Army, mm. and when they needed someone to take care of uh, Berlin, dear, uh, right after the war, they sent him over there. Mm-hmm. And he was a he was a lieutenant, but he was waiting for his uh, uh, captain stripes. And uh, uh, oh, he 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 was a fine gentleman. I, I enjoyed working with it. Mm. That's good. But uh, he was not a combat soldier.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you um? i know I know it was obviously a rough time, but do you recall any uh any good good uh good times you had when you were over there
3: good times yeah did you say good times
0: yeah did you have
3: uh, yeah yeah when when I could hear the guns uh guns of banging and and the all of the noise that was going on in the battle that was my good times hmm. I knew everything, everything was working right,
0: mm-hmm, oh, uh, I see.
3: Uh, back when the weather was 70 below zero, uh, I'd get a pillow and a blanket, and I'd go right over to the loudest gun, and I'd uh, throw that blanket down, and I'd lay down and take a nap. I'd tell that gunner, if that phone rings, you wake me up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, the only way I can wake you up is hit you with a club, I think. <laughs> that's the way it was. You know, you, you took it when you when it was offered. You took it. Mm-hmm. And, uh I kept warm, laying up close to that gun, because they kept them red hot. Oh, wow. They could put seven seven or eight rounds of ammunition in the air before that first one hit the ground. Mm -hmm.
0: So when you were a police officer, did you investigate uh, a
1: bunch Uh, of cases? No,
3: I I, I had people doing that. I didn't. No, I was just the boss.
1: Oh, okay.
3: I, I I didn't do anything. I was the boss.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's that's pretty good. Did you did you like Berlin at all?
3: Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. It was very great, and there was places I visited when I when I uh, when I could. And I, I remember once that we were going to raid this one place because we figured they were selling American bond bonded whiskey, mm-hmm. and that would be a big big no no. And we lined up in the, at the the place, and everybody had their. Uh, military police badges covered so you couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was about five minutes to go and we were going to raid this place. And I looked over and I saw an old friend I played football with in high school when I was a kid back in Mm Wilika And I walked up beside him and kind of poked him in ribs. And I said, don't look at me, just look away. And I'm going to stand here a minute and I'm going to tell you, you get your people out of here like 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 this place was on fire. But go out two people at a time. Don't mm-hmm. don't go all at one time because we're gonna raid this place. And he he made, got up, got his uh, female uh, line and mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. And then about a couple of minutes later, two of the others left. And then I have never seen that guy again. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's amazing how you see these people. Uh, that far away from home, and then you come back home, and, no, I never heard of him. I, no, I, no. He never did come back, you know. Mm. Man, I knew he'd come back, the war was over. Right. You know, but nevertheless, uh funny things happen like that. And uh, But uh, uh, he wouldn't have got into any trouble, but uh, the, I, I, he would have had to answer a lot of questions, you mm. know, about, because he was there, you mm. know.
0: So did you um did you get any souvenirs or bring any, anything back home?
3: Yeah, I got a German sword. That, that's all I wanted. And mm-hmm. I tried to get a, 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 a pistol, one of those Lugers. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like every time I found one, somebody was already there taking it off the guy. <laughs> I was always just a little bit behind. I never got my Luger. But I did get my German sword, and I I got that hanging proudly in my den here. hmm
0: so, I, it, in the book, there's a little chapter that mentions marriage counseling. Well, what's that about?
3: Uh, say that again.
0: There's a, a chapter on marriage counseling or titled marriage uh-huh. counseling?
3: Uh-huh, but what about it?
0: What, what What's that referring to?
3: Marriage counsel?
0: In-
1: I don't
3: need that. I got the same <laughs> wife. I'm sorry to this, and I'm going gonna, gonna to end up. I don't want to have to train
1: another one. <laughs> so... All right. Thank
3: God, That's asking a lot to try and train two wives in one life lifetime. So. No, no. My wife and I've been married to uh, seventy-two years, mm-hmm. seventy-four years. I'm sorry, and uh,
2: I wouldn't have it any other way. We we thank you so much for interviewing us for mm-hmm. interviewing Frank, and we 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 hope that the story of this book, I marched with Patton, mm-hmm. uh can can get out because. As I was writing it and experiencing it, it really touched me deeply. And I think there's a lot of people today who have forgotten how difficult and yet how important the contribution of the American soldier was in World War II. Mm-hmm. And the ability to share that experience and share that story um, will touch a lot of people. And we really thank you for listening to Frank today mm-hmm. and sharing this story across the country yeah
0: well thank um, yeah I definitely want to thank you Frank for the uh, the sacrifices oh, you, you made um, and doing what you did for the country and for the world really um, Okay. yeah I appreciate it completely um, well, I, I
3: appreciate you letting me
0: talk and uh, uh, I hope I don't have to do it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I hope no one has to do it again Um <laughs> do you so yeah thank you do you have any final words or anything or because I, I don't have yeah, any other
3: no, I, I just talk to the young generation uh i tell them son and daughters you're you're living in the greatest country in the world
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and, and it's still here because of people people like you frank right, um who um yeah. who did what you did so yeah, yeah I,
1: well
3: sometimes i to
0: your eyes when you
3: see what's happening you know mm-hmm. well uh, but anyhow appreciate you hearing me and uh, thank you sir and have a good night day.
0: thank you, too. you very much and thank you too Robert I appreciate thank
3: it
1: thank you thank you
0: thank you for listening if you like this podcast military history inside out please subscribe to it and rate it if you can if you want more military history ranging from the ancient to the modern please visit warscholar.org or MilitaryHistoryPodcast.com to sign up for my weekly newsletter and keep track of my latest posts. You can also find written interviews and my social media links there. Thanks for listening.